Good morning, Mission Fellowship, and happy Mother's Day to many of you that are listening. If you haven't already seen the link I sent out to members and regular attendees, I wanted to let you know that I posted a short video on our Vimeo site as a brief encouragement. You can also find that same video by way of the Vimeo link on the top right corner of our church website at www.missionsalem.com. My heart is still full of thanksgiving that the continual desire of many of your hearts is to see one another again. It shows your deep love for one another and for the Lord that unifies us by his spirit. Church, it will happen again. We must simply wait with hopeful expectation, endurance, and faith. As we begin our teaching this morning, we will first have a reading from Psalm 131 by Paul Webb, and then Genesis 16, 7-14, read by Whitney Cole. Dallas Cole will then provide the pastoral prayer. As a celebration of the Lord and his goodness, we have again included a few worship songs led by Seth and Danielle Spangle, and they're at the end of the teaching. You can find the lyrics that go along with those songs on the link attached to the teaching on our website. May the Lord bless and encourage each of you as we collectively take in his word. A reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 131. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. A reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 16, verses 7 through 14. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Be'er Lahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. This is the word of the Lord. Dear church, would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Sovereign Commander, of the universe who are we to seek your throne what have we accomplished on our own that gives us the grounds to enter your presence we can hold nothing in our hands that we have accomplished on our own your vastness speaks to how small we are oh how finite and fragile we are in comparison to your omnipresence we are your creation your children, your subjects, your people. We are your adoration. 
as monuments of your mercy, we are raised from the dust and receive your breath of life. By the power of your Spirit, we are given the promise of sanctification as we pursue the death of ourselves. Wreck our earthly kingdoms, for behind them are the foundations of our idolatry. Thank you, Lord, for the provisions of your word and the hope of your gospel. Increase the capacities of our minds and our hearts now as we prepare to know you more. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. It is a joy to worship with you on this Lord's Day, in which we also pause to appreciate and thank the mothers in our lives. Over the years, I've been very adamant that Sundays are given to our Lord, and so those of you that have been around mission know that I do topical teachings very rarely, and even more rarely is the Sunday where I will shift from our ongoing study through the Bible, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. But today, in the midst of all the sadness and loneliness caused by the COVID-19 situation, I think it's right that we pause in our study through the Gospel of Mark to take a look at the many blessings the mothers in our lives have given us. We're going to do so in a way that still very much helps us keep our focus upon the Lord and his goodness. And then next week, we'll step back into Mark and continue through the Gospel. Today, I want to look at God's goodness reflected in a mother's love. If you're taking down notes, you can write that down as the title of this week's sermon, God's Goodness Reflected in a Mother's Love. Now, to be very clear, we at Mission Fellowship take the Bible very seriously. We understand that when God is being referred to in the Bible, he's referred to with male pronouns. That is clear. So in no way, shape, or form am I trying to adjust or play with the gendered view of the God of the Bible. I just want to make that really clear. At the same time, when we look at the created realm, we can see God's goodness in that which he has created. Romans 1 verses 19 through 20 says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. It's in essence saying that we can see God in the things he's created. And so in Genesis 1.27, the word tells us God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so I believe it is not at all a stretch, but in fact very intentional, that we can look at the godly characteristics of motherhood and fatherhood to see a portion of the character and being of our God. And this week, we're focusing in on motherhood. These last two months, I've had the blessing of being able to go into the office now and again, but I've also been home a great deal more than I usually am. I can assure you that I am not exaggerating when I say that it has been both an educational and awe-inspiring time for me to observe my wife as she cares for our home, helps administrate the church, provides the practical needs of our children and myself, homeschools our children, and on top of all that, develops and nurtures each of the kids in a special way. She is truly a mother and wife worthy of celebrating. But I don't want to give you the idea that I'm simply trying to celebrate her. Most, if not all of you listening, should be celebrated as well. As I talk to some of you and FaceTime some of you, I am amazed as you have contorted your daily routines to deal with the immediate immersion into homeschooling your kids, while many of you are still balancing some of the same responsibilities you had prior to the COVID-19 situation, some of you even working harder. 
Some of you in our church are foster parents, opening up your home to children with various levels of trauma in the midst of a situation in which the whole world is undergoing a trauma of its own. Some of you have launched your own children into the world, and while still praying for and caring for them, you have spiritually adopted those of us who are younger in the body, like myself, and you nurture and tend our faith. Some of you are in the process of adopting children and are taking on a weight of love that so perfectly captures God's adoptive heart towards us. Some of you have struggled with pregnancy, as my wife and I did early on in our marriage for many years. Or maybe you are single and have not yet had the chance to love your own children. And yet, you faithfully love all the children of our church and community in a way that fills in the gaps for those of us that are parents, as you provide wonderful aunt-like love for our kids. Some of you are single mothers taking on the burdens I have already listed, and then some. Some of you are mothers doing all I have listed, and you're also caring for and tending the sickest in our community through your healthcare expertise. Some of you are pregnant right now, and your fear and care of your baby in utero displays the Lord's tender care for us. Some of you are struggling today as you recount and mourn the heartbreak of miscarriage. Sisters in Christ, may I say to all of you today, no matter which of those categories you fall into. Thank you from all of us who have been loved by you. In these ways, you have shown us the love of Christ, and for that, we are forever grateful. We could easily add to the list of characteristics that I am about to present this morning, but let's take some time to go through and look topically now at God's goodness reflected in a mother's love. As we look at these, let's practice gratitude for when the women in our lives have shown these same qualities, and let's give thanks to God that he is the ultimate manifestation and perfect fulfillment of each of these. First this morning, if you're taking down notes, you can write down that we see in the word that God is the ultimate giver of life. God is the ultimate giver of life. In the beginning, God created man, Adam, in the Hebrew and saw that it was not good for a human being to dwell alone. Now, many of us can easily agree with this in the current climate. Isolation is heartbreaking and hard. Our innate pathologies of fear of abandonment and relational pain press hard against our hearts and emotions. And there is a reason that we see solitary confinement as a very harsh and hard punishment for prisoners. And so God saw that it wasn't good and created a woman, the perfect equal match for the man. In Genesis 3.20, it says that the man called her Kava, or what we translate as Eve. This name means the life giver. It says that he named her this because she is the mother of all living. And notice that this is what she was named after the fall. And the reason for this was because through her offspring, as we see in Genesis 3.15, there would come one who would conquer and defeat the enemy of God, pictured in the serpent, the chaos monster of Genesis 3. Through the lineage of man would eventually come a Messiah, a Savior, that would conquer the curse of sin and death, the one we know as Jesus the Christ. And those of you that are biological moms have given literal life to your children. But even more than that, moms and spiritual aunties of every kind and sort breathe life into those they care for with the very words they speak and the love they provide. It is our mothers that care for us and supply us with what we need that brings us life. They are the ones who nourish us and help us grow in trust of others as they meet our cries with compassion. 
In this giving of life, we see a reflection of God as the ultimate giver of life. With the first man, Adam, he breathed life into his very physical being. Jesus the Christ, after his death and resurrection, appeared to the disciples, and in John 20, 22, he provided them with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as a preview of what would occur later in the book of Acts, as well as a way to bring them into his kingdom. And he did this in the likeness of the Father by breathing life into them, just as the Father had done for Adam. You and I, as new creations in Christ, have been given new eternal life and the promise of the resurrection by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, as he atoned for our sins and forgave us of all our transgressions against God's covenantal love. In the life given to us by our mothers, we see a reflection of God as the ultimate giver of life. Once that life is given, though, there needs to be further life-sustaining provision. And in our mothers, we see a reflection that, you can write this down, God is the ultimate provider. God is the ultimate provider. As a male, I grew up hearing that fathers were the provider of daily needs, such as shelter and food. And while that is true to a certain extent, nowadays, many wives and mothers partner or even single-handedly take on that role of material provision. It is good that God is reflected in that provision. But even more than that, it is true that it is our mothers who provide for us. This is true in the biological gift of being able to nurse children. But even for mothers who may not have been able to have that experience, it is true that they are still, most often, the ultimate provider for their children. I have to confess to you that the random, few and far between days in which I am the one providing simple sustenance to my children are rough days. It's rough for me and for them. But I watch my wife as she seemingly, effortlessly cares for every statement of hunger, every whine of loneliness or boredom. I consider myself a relatively good father and am relatively available for my kids, but even if I am regularly around, as I have been more often in the midst of COVID-19, my children call for their mom as the provider of their needs. The Apostle Paul knew this tendency of mankind to rely upon our mothers for care, and this formed his mindset when he spoke to the church at Thessalonica and said in chapter 2, verse 7, But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. And so we honor and celebrate mothers because they provide and care for their children. In Genesis 1 and 2, we see that God is the ultimate provider for his people. There he provides a land in which they are to dwell that is full of every manner of created gift. In Genesis 2, God provides companionship, partnership, and love to Adam with the gift of Eve. And it is this image in the earliest pages of the Torah that frames for the Jewish mind, and now for us as New Testament believers, who God is. That at the core of his creative nature, God is the provider. In fact, right at the beginning of the people of Israel, one of the names of God is as the God that provides. In Genesis 22, as Abraham takes his son up to Mount Moriah to perform a sacrificial offering, Isaac, his son, rightly asks, Dad, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham responds in Genesis 22:8 with, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Many of you know the story. God did indeed provide a ram to Abraham 
as it was caught in the thicket. It was so miraculous and so life-saving to Isaac that Abraham called the place, The Lord Will Provide, or in the Hebrew, Yahweh Yireh. As Israel wandered through the wilderness, this is how they knew God. Listen for a moment to Deuteronomy 32, verses 11 through 14, as it describes God's relationship with Israel. This is Deuteronomy 32, 11 through 14. It says, Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions, the Lord alone guided him. No foreign god was with him. He made him ride on the high places of the land, and he ate the produce of the field, and he suckled him with honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. Curds from the herd and milk from the flock with fat of lambs, rams of Bashan and goats with the very finest of the wheat, and you drank foaming wine made from the blood of the grape. One of the foundational pieces of knowledge we have about God is that he is indeed our provider, and this section from Deuteronomy shows us that. As we are finding out in this time of growing want, as we see the increasing shortage of certain items in our grocery stores, we see that God is the provider. And we have very little want in comparison to many other parts of the world. But it's proving to us in this time that we can be arrogant in thinking that we've created an unstoppable food supply chain. But it's God's sovereign provision of stability and peace and health that allows us to prosper and in which we are provided for. We need God as our physical provider. But even more importantly, brothers and sisters, we see in the word that God is our provider of forgiveness of sin and a way into the kingdom of God and eternal life. If it were not for God sending his son, Jesus, to justify us, we would be forever in our sin. In the grace of God, which means that we did not deserve it, God sent his son so that he might die in our place and resurrect in victory, enthroned to the right hand of the Father, paving a way for us to enter the kingdom of heaven. The Apostle Peter, in his second letter to the church, described the process of discipleship and growing in the knowledge of Christ and his atoning work. And he said this in 2 Peter 1.11. Peter 1.11. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an inheritance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear friends, eternal life and redemption is provided for us. It's not earned. It's given by grace and taken in faith. Mothers, give us a reflection of God as the wonderful provider. While they are not the providers of that redemption as Jesus is, They show us in their sacrificial acts the fact that God is the ultimate provider. And so we see in the word that God is the ultimate life giver, the ultimate provider. And next we see that, you can write this down, God is the ultimate protector. God is the ultimate protector. Now those of you who know me or have seen me know that I am six foot ten and somewhat large. But even with the fact that I am the biggest person in my family and I am the one that my wife runs to for protection when there's a very large spider in the house, it is actually my wife that my children run to when they are scared. Why is this? Well, it's because while it may be true that hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, 
I think it's just as true that if you want to see a mother bear break out her claws, all you have to do is threaten her cubs. Now, why is this the case? Because I think it's true that God placed in mothers a biological, emotional, and physical sacrificial response to protect their children. My heart breaks for those of you that may have been neglected or even hurt or abused by your mothers. We as a society look at that and we cannot actually fathom it when we see it, even though we know it is around us. And the reason is, is because we know that something has gone very wrong when that occurs. The reason is that we know that it is natural to be at the core of a mother's heart to protect her children. In this way, when we see the protection of children, we see a reflection of God as the ultimate protector. Time and time again throughout the word of God, we see God act on behalf of his people as a God of war to protect them. Throughout the Bible, his people look to him and know that he will cover them in a way no other being ever could. Listen to Naomi, the mother-in-law of Ruth, as she blesses Ruth for caring for her in her old age and widowhood. She says this in Ruth 2.12, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. It was core to the identity of God in the mind of his people that he cared for them as a bird protects her chicks under her wing. The same image was used by Jesus as he cried out over Jerusalem in lament and sadness before he went to the cross. He lamented that if they would have only turned toward him as their Messiah, he would have gathered them as a mother hen does her children. You see, God is the ultimate protector. And we get a glimpse of that through mothers as they love their children and through spiritual mothers and aunties as they care for the children in their church. God is the ultimate giver of life the ultimate provider, the ultimate protector. And now let's look at the fact that through our mother's love, we see the reflection that, you can write this down, God is the ultimate comforter. God is the ultimate comforter. In the same way as the protector, when my children get hurt or skin their knee, they run to their mother instead of me. Now, this could be because she will tell them to be tough a lot less than I will. But I think it has more to do with the fact that we all just kind of want that mother's touch when we are hurting or sick. I think of some of the nurses in our church that are caring for the sick and dying in our community right now. You know who they are, and you can picture them in your mind. I'm honored to know them, and I can absolutely say that I would entrust anyone in my family to their care. In this reflection of comfort, we see God as the ultimate comforter. Notice God's word to his people through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 66:13. There he says, As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. In the Amplified Bible, John 14.26 points out that the word helper used to describe the Holy Spirit can also be thought of as the comforter. Through his fellowship, the Holy Spirit uses us as comforters of one another. Listen to Paul's beautiful description of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-5. Again, 2 Corinthians 1, 3-5. 
This is what Paul says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. In the comfort of our mothers, we see a reflection that God is the ultimate comforter. We also see in God's word that our mothers provide a reflection that, you can write this down, God is the ultimate teacher. God is the ultimate teacher. I was blessed as a child to have a mother who would be there to comfort me. But one of the things I am most thankful for was that my mother was always available to teach me if I had a question. Now as a father, I watch as my wife takes on the additional role of teacher. Again, on the very random and odd days where I've had to help do a few lessons, I am in awe at how she has cared for and homeschooled our children. Now, she will be the first to admit to any of the other mothers in our church that it is hard and many days are tough and even frustrating. But I'm so thankful for the teacher she is to our children. In this period of COVID-19, I have watched as many of you have become instant teachers, taking on the task of schooling your children from home, making up ways to educate and enliven your children all while they deal with the emotions of sadness, confusion, and loneliness. You are truly heroes for taking on this weight. The most important training and teaching you do, though, is in the teaching of God's word and catechizing your children. The Bible is clear that the primary spiritual educators of our children is not the Sunday school or church they attend. It is their parents. Listen to the expectation of mothers teaching their children that is contained in the wisdom of Proverbs. This is from Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. It says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. This is from Proverbs 6.20. My son, keep your father's commandment, and forsake not your mother's teaching. In this sacrificial work, mothers reflect the truth that God is the ultimate teacher. In fact, it is very simply put in Job 36.22, Behold, God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Through his word, through his spirit, through his people, and through his sovereignty in the midst of life, God teaches us and trains us in righteousness. In the midst of the life of his son, Jesus, God the Father sent us the ultimate illustration of what it is to live in the midst of his kingdom and to obey his gospel. In pouring out the Holy Spirit into our lives and giving us his church and his inerrant word, God is still teaching each of us today. And so, in a mother's love, we see a reflection that God is the ultimate teacher. God is the ultimate life giver, provider, protector, comforter, and teacher. And in God's word, we also see that, you can write this down, God is the ultimate burden bearer. God is the ultimate burden bearer. 
had many moments in my childhood and life as a young adult that proved to be heartbreaking. I watched as my mother took on my burdens and the burdens of my sisters as if they were her own. This is the heart of a mother. I now watch as my wife empathizes with our children and carries their burdens emotionally, even though she also trains them to carry the weight themselves. In this way, all of us are provided a beautiful picture of the law of Christ. Remember this from Galatians 6.2. It says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Paul knew this to be the heart of a mother because this burden is formed in a mother from the moment children are conceived and is established as they give birth. And so when he wanted to share his burden that he was bearing for the church of Galatia, he used an image of motherhood in Galatians 4.19. He says, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. This beautiful reflection that mothers provide gives us a glimpse into the character of our God. The biggest burden that we as humans have to bear, the thing that is most heartbreaking in our lives, is our innate nature that rebels against our Creator and decides for itself what is good and what is evil. No one is able to bear this burden because what that sin that each of us is guilty of deserves and requires is death and separation eternally from God. While we were in this position, while we were yet sinners, God the Father sent us his Son as a sacrifice to die upon the cross in crucifixion, bearing the weight of our sin. The word is clear that he actually became sin for us. In the words of the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 53, verses 4 through 5, we hear the sacrificial work of Jesus described this way. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. You see, dear friend, Jesus was the ultimate burden bearer. Our God made man, bore our sins to the point that you and I are now forgiven and able to step into eternal life, if we repent and turn to him in faith. If you are listening to this message today, and you don't know Jesus, Maybe you're listening because you're trying to please your mom. Maybe you're listening with your mother. But I want to ask you if you have allowed Jesus to bear your burdens. Deep down, every human being in the depths of their conscience knows that they have turned from God. Maybe you've denied it and fought it, but the guilt and condemnation that we all feel is there because of our innate separation from God. And so I want to call you to give your burdens over to God right where you sit today. Call out to God in the stillness of your heart and ask him to be your God, Lord and Savior. And then join us as we study God's word. And when the COVID-19 restrictions are up, join us in person to worship God together. Well, in this burden bearing, we also see that God is the ultimate redeemer. God is the ultimate redeemer. Now you might be saying, Hans, mothers can't redeem, only Jesus can. And you are right. But mothers do have a way of breathing new life into their children and in this way show a very faint reflection 
a kind word when a child is feeling brokenhearted, or maybe a motivational encouragement when a child feels like a failure, often come from a mother and redeem or restore a child in the moment. As a grown man, I have to say that a loving and affirming word from my wife gives life to me in ways I would never have guessed before being married. And in that, I can understand how my children are restored, even when they feel fully broken. Now, you may still be saying, Hans, this is one that is a bit of a reach, and you might be right. But look with me at an odd passage in Galatians 4.26. Go ahead and turn there in Galatians 4.26. Now, you can read this section on your own time. The context for this passage is that Paul has heard that Judaizers have entered the church in Galatia and are telling the Gentile Christian believers that they need to fulfill the ceremonial law of the Torah, such as the law of circumcision, in order to be Christians. So Paul is taking them to task and telling the Christians that they are no longer under the ceremonial law of the Old Testament, but rather they have been freed to engage in the law of Christ, the law of liberty and love in which obedience comes with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. To make his point, Paul uses an allegory or metaphor, speaking of Hagar and Sarah, but also using the picture of earthly Jerusalem in comparison with heavenly Jerusalem, which is another name for the abode and kingdom of God. Now look at Galatians 4.26. It says this odd phrase, But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. Now again, you can study this section on your own, but for the sake of time, I will explain it simply with this. The kingdom of God, by way of the gracious salvation given freely by Jesus Christ, has given us new life and birthed us into an eternal life that can never be taken. In this way, the new Jerusalem has acted as our mother and given us redemption through Jesus Christ. An old church father known as Cyprian from the third century was once quoted as saying, no one can have God for his father who is not the church for his mother. I think there is a reason that the role of mother is attached or used as a metaphor to our redemption in the minds of the ancient Christians. Not because mothers earn it or give it, but in their presence in our life, we see an image of the sacrifice of the ultimate redeemer, the ultimate life giver, God himself, through his incarnate work of Jesus. In our mother's love, we see a reflection that God is the ultimate life giver, the ultimate provider, the ultimate protector, the ultimate comforter, the ultimate teacher the ultimate burden bearer, and the ultimate redeemer. Whether you are a biological, adopted, or foster mom, whether you are a grandmother, or auntie, or spiritual mother, this is why we want to thank you and celebrate you. Not because you are worthy of worship. You are all humans. You are all sinners. But because when you are walking in the Spirit, You are a reflection of the one who is worthy of our worship. You show us an image of Jesus. And so as application for all of us today, let's thank God for these women in our lives 
and let's tell them thank you and celebrate them as we can today. Secondly, let's praise God for his goodness that innately overflows into those that love us most dearly. He is indeed worthy of our praise for who he is and how he loves us and how he fulfills all these same roles in the most perfect ways. Let's spend this Sunday and this week rejoicing in the goodness of our God. It is a much-needed reprieve in the midst of all that is going on around us. And now I want to finish with one last story of a biblical mother for those of you that are mothers in the midst of this current situation. In our second reading this morning, Whitney read to us the end of the story that captures when Hagar was cast aside by Abram and Sarai. She had done nothing wrong, simply submitted to her masters. She was used, she was probably confused, hurt, exhausted, and feeling abandoned and alone. Maybe many of you listening might feel one or many of those same things right now as you pour out yourselves day after day for those around you. Let's read now from that same passage in Genesis 16, 7 through 14. Genesis 16, 7 through 14. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Ber Lahoi Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. Being a mom, especially in the midst of the current situation, is extremely hard. It may feel like you are all alone, especially if your husband is still working out of the home, or if you are a single mom or a foster mom or any combination of the above. But today I want to remind you that we serve the God who sees our sorrows, knows our griefs, and visits us in the midst of that suffering. He is there for you in spirit, and he is there for you through each of us within his body. If you need support, I want to encourage you to reach out to your brothers and sisters in the body and ask for support. We want to support you. If you need to talk to us, please reach out to us at info at missionsalem.com. Whatever your emotional state today, whether joy or sorrow, perhaps mourning the miscarriage of a baby, perhaps missing your own mother, or lamenting a lack of relationship with her, or maybe you are in a great place in your life as a mother and you just want to rejoice today. Whatever your state of emotion, know that God is with you and by his spirit holds you in the palm of his hands. Let's rejoice today that God has given us such a beautiful picture of himself, God's goodness reflected in a mother's love.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for those you have placed in our life that have helped shape us and supported us. We thank you for the mother who pours out her life into her children and her husband. It is a blessed relationship to have. And this is a time we can celebrate it. But it is also a time that is painful. Some of us have lost their mother or have a poor relationship with her. And this day reminds us of that brokenness. So whether we rejoice or experience sorrow or pain, may we let today be a reminder that you are truly the one who brings us into wholeness. You alone have the capacity, the strength, and the character to lead us into righteousness, to transform and shape us as your adopted children, to provide love that truly is eternal. So may we consider this week what it means that you are the ultimate giver, the provider, the protector, the comforter, the teacher, the burden bearer, and the redeemer. The implications are profound if we see and trust you have these characteristics. It suggests that we submit ourselves to you, that we learn your ways, which are good and holy. It suggests that in our submission, we obey the rule of your household, which is rooted in sacrificial love. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to Christ. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to empower us to live as citizens of your kingdom, to live as children of your household. Thank you for using our brothers and sisters in Christ to give opportunity to exercise submission to your rule and to extend the same love to each other that you have faithfully shown to us since our creation. Praise be given to you our Holy Lord. Amen. In my wrestling, in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the Yeah.
are the peace in my troubled sea. Oh, you are the peace in my troubled sea. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow you. Constant, how deep. 
song of ours will rise How constant, how divine This love of ours will rise Rise Oh, praise Him Oh, praise Him He is holy Constant, how divine the song of ours will rise. How constant, how divine this love of ours will rise.
How great. 